with it coming out of the corner. Oh, and Bunting was right there. He had hat trick written all over it, and he couldn't get the puck to settle for him. Puck along the boards on the far side. Kept in by Marner. Marner trying to go to the net, rolling in front, they score! Michael Bunting has got the hat trick! Holy Mackinac, what a game! Hello out there, Leaf Station postgame. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. We're always happy when the Leafs win. We're always happy when it's a Leafs come from behind win. We haven't had that. It's been the other way more often. But Gord, I think you know why I'm just a little bit extra excited that the Leafs are 7-4 winners tonight. Well, to your credit, as we all looked at the Nick Ritchie story and thought he would be the story, and it has not been the story yet, but Andre Kasha, David Camp, and especially, who I believe is a distant relative, I can't prove it yet, of the Gunning family, Michael Bunting has uh, been everything and more, and you've... uh, uh, and you've jumped on that bandwagon. That's why I've accused you of uh, being a relative. Well, tonight you'd be a proud relative. The hat trick. So the Michael Bunting gush fest is certainly uh, certainly okayed by me and a big part, obviously, of tonight's game. And also, like you said, we'll look at the Leafs Nation Leafs this week tomorrow at 1 p.m. for one hour. Look back at the week and uh, a gush fest will be part of that. That's right. A team high seven shots. And, you know, look, you you get the hat trick. Of course, that's the lead story. But, you know, it did feel like that that goal he scored his first of the night is one that gives the Leafs some life. And then, you know, the next two are are the ones that kind of tie the game up. Sandine gets the winner. But it's just, you know, on a night where so much of the team felt flat, felt listless, it felt like he was one of the few guys who were kind of in the thick of it, in the fight. You know, we go back to I think it was at the end of the second period. He he gets. He gets tied up around the front of the net when he kind of took an elbow or a high stick to the mouth there. And it just felt like he was one of the few guys who were kind of dragging the Leafs into the fight tonight. And I think that players like him are so important for that reason. Of course, this team is going to rely on its skill. Of course, of course. But on nights where that isn't kind of jumping out the way it can, having a guy like that who can kind of give you the effort and then the fact that he gets you know the hat trick, of course, that's kind of a cherry on top there. But it felt like he was the guy that kind of pulled the Leafs back into this game. He was, and you noticed him on different lines that, that Sheldon Keith seemed to identify that. It's funny, like it's not an ugly win. I don't call it an ugly win, but to your point, listless was an appropriate term for the game. So the upside is this is the Leafs are a better team than Detroit, and they came from behind and found a way to win it. Uh, and by the way, the Sandy goal, great greasy area uh, play by John Tavares. Like that, that's when he's at his best, that play. But the bunting goals and in general, and Craig Simpson talked about it, it was finally realizing that the Red Wings just play a system where basically they collapse in and they, they seem to block everything. And they're, they're, just, they're just blocking the front of the net. They're blocking the block shots. They'll do whatever. But they're preventing, you know, kind of that, that great scoring chance shot. So at some point, you have to take the shot, find a lane, and ideally find a deflection. And really, that's the way basically almost all the goals, if not all the goals, went. And Michael Bunting was chief among it, like figuring away what the Red Wings were. They're not going to let you pass it to the grade A scoring chance spot, which, okay, that's good pre-scouting that way. But afterwards, after a while, the Leafs just said, okay, we understand that. we got to stop doing that. Let's just find something. Let's get a pass. Let's get traffic. Let's get deflections. Let's get goals. Let's get the win. 
Well, and that's, that's the thing that has been kind of plaguing this team in the past in playoffs. We think to the Columbus series. We think to Montreal when the offense dried up. It's sitting there going, this team knows exactly how to score a ton of goals when they can be pretty and they can kind of pass the puck around or they can play off the rush or they can work their cycle. But sometimes they just need to be really mucky, ugly, plucky goals. And the team hasn't had a ton of guys who score those kind of goals in years past. Tavares, you mentioned the play he made on the Sandine goal. He is absolutely one of those guys. Matthews has become one of those guys this year, but you can't just rely on those guys to do it. And, you know, I'm not saying Bunting is going to score a hat-trick in the playoffs. I almost guarantee you he won't. But you look at a game that he has tonight, and it it just shows that that's a kind of goal that you could see go in in the playoffs. Man, even even Pierre Engvalls, I'm not going to give him a ton of credit for it. It went off his knee, but those ugly green borderline fluky goals are sometimes what you need to kind of kind of stem the tide um you know the other kind of big talking point coming out of tonight actually before we get into the lines I want to pick up on what you said Gord about John Tavares you know we we all know the famous Joe Bowen call from many many years ago I think it was against the Hurricanes of don't you tell me about heart and gritness and dedication that's what was going through my mind when I see Tavares kind of getting whacked and he's on his knees that is just an all heart and soul play by a guy who's obviously more than our heart and soul he's tons of skill and leadership and all that but I mean on a night where of course the hat trick is going to take front and center that I'm really happy you highlighted that because that was a tremendous play by by JT to get the puck to Sandine yeah and and when Sheldon Keefe was being kind of candid then walked it back a little bit about you know words like soft and things like that being misrepresented in his opinion uh, John Tavares's line was the one that got he never gives harsh criticism but just said I need more out of them and John Tavares just took it, understood it, and is doing it. You know, and it's not just him when you're talking about a whole line, but it's true. It's true. Whoever his line was, and that might be one reason why, you know, things were split up a little bit. Maybe, you know, give give Tavares Mitch Marner back or whatever it may be. But uh, uh, that's what he does. That's the part that you got to watch. You got to watch closely. I used to love watching it. I didn't see him a ton because he wasn't in town a ton as a member of the New York Islanders. But I really, really got to, really got to appreciate that. And, uh, you know, Michael Bunting, to go back to, he's not your guy, he's everyone's guy now. You just were the first to figure it out. But um, we know in the offseason, okay, we don't want to get in contract situations, but we know Jack Campbell will be the most pressing one. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev is another situation, for want of a better word. But Bunting signed for two years at 950. Oh, my God. He signed for another year at 950. And, yeah, thank goodness is right. And, again, the guy had 10 goals in 21 games in Arizona last year. Like, I, I, like I'm like i stunned by that total and the fact that, you know, at that kind of money, Arizona lets him go, you know, because he was an RFA. He's a guy you can keep. You controlled his rights. That's a bad miss. That's just a real – that's why the, that, that franchise is a complete joke. That's a complete joke. That's not – you know, first of all, like, I mean, we want to stick with Leafs Nation and all that, but, I mean, you know, like there's teardowns and there's ridiculous teardowns. And they're going to the ridiculous thing. And now to say you want to pay, play three or four years in a 5,000-seat venue, which is, a, which is actually more than the average at home nowadays. But just as the NHL is trying to, trying to get revenues up and is disappointed that places like Toronto and Canadian-based places you know, can't play to full houses because it affects, it affects the revenue. Anyway, I'm getting way off track here, but it's more giving him credit. Like you look at it and you go, what? Say what? 10 goals in 21 games. I mean, the guy, the guy was on like a 38-goal pace in Arizona last year. He, he's been a revel of revelation here, here in Toronto, and the fact that they have him for that second year is, is so crucial. Because, look, we all know 
Like, we, we can quibble with the amount that it does, but I don't think anybody can sit here and say that playing in Toronto doesn't drive up your price. If Michael Bunting had the exact season he had last year in Toronto, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have signed somewhere for 950 k We all would have been talking about how good he is, and he, he probably would have been a, somewhere around a $2 million player or something like that. And the fact that he's doing this now... The fact that you get him for that that second year, it's just so crucial because now we don't have to have the conversation. Yes, I know we can be extended. Okay, sure, maybe we can have that conversation. But the fact that it's just you can pencil that guy in on, I mean, I don't see why you'd take him off Matthew's line, but you, you could just pencil him in alongside Austin Matthews for less than a million bucks. That makes it a little more palatable that you have Matthews making you know, the 11-plus that, that he does. And, and man, you, you mentioned Arizona as a team that he got away. So every time... You know, we talked about Michael Bunting early in the season. We say, well, Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman. And Hyman had a big night tonight. He had two goals. But, I mean, the fact that Bunting has a hat trick, I think it's important to bring up. Like it's not, And, again, like everyone in this market loves Zach Hyman. But the fact that you're getting not the same because they're different players, but the fact that you're getting similar production from that guy for 950 k as opposed to the over 5 mil. And I'm not begrudging Hyman for getting it. Good on him for getting his money. But it's just in a cap league and a team that's so strung up against it. Bunting, Bunting's valuable at whatever his salary is. But at 950 k it's amazing the value he brings to this team. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting comparable, and it's a really good comparable, him and Zach Hyman, not for the styles they play, but the fact is, they can fit in on any line. That's that's yep. the thing. That's the thing Sheldon keeps coming now, and and that's one reason why he's you know chosen to mix things up. And uh, I I got to believe Willie Nylander's nose is out of joint a bit. I got to believe it is. You know, I'm, but people will think team first, but they want to be you know on a line with John Tavares or Austin Matthews would be your preference. But I think the other part Sheldon Keefe is saying that in Michael Bunting, I got a third liner or I got a first liner. You know, I, I can do a lot. And that's what Zach Hyman was. That, that's what Zach Hyman was. So um, it, it's about, uh, it, it, I don't know how many, rev, I don't know how many more revelations uh, are left for the rest of the season. We're only at the halfway point, but, but I mean about, it's more about developing those and using those and figure, you know, and, and like I said, just trying different kinds of things. So in the playoffs, when the Philip Deneau lines against you, you try a few different things. I mean, that's the, again, I'm revisiting old history, but again, there's different things that could have, should have been attempted differently. And one of that was on the coaching side about trying to get more balance and depth out there and not have one line so uh, obviously vulnerable to have their best checking line on against them all the time. Yeah, and I, I saw a lot of people, and, and I, I echoed this part of it, giving giving Sheldon Keefe a ton of credit for saying, okay, this isn't working tonight. Let's go back to the old reliable, see if we can get something going, see if we can get the Scarborough sniper, Michael Bunting, rolling here. And he did. But, you know, I think back to the last game we watched this Leafs team play, and I know they had to go to a shootout, and it was against the Ducks, but that was one of the best games I've seen this team play this year. So I'm not entirely certain that we go back or when this team is back and we'll have the game on Monday night, we'll even be there. It's going to be so exciting when the Leafs host the Devils. I don't know that we're not going to see the lines that this game started with. It does feel like Keith wants to experiment and, and try things. And the fact that you're going to have just two games, then you have the week off. I, I do wonder if it's just kind of another time to try to experiment. Like, what do you do for the, the those back-to-backs Monday, Tuesday? I mean, obviously, there's probably a few little changes around the fringes of the lineup with maybe mixing in somebody on the fourth line or the third pair. But would you go with the lines they kind of finished the game with tonight, the standard lines that we've been used to? Or would you go with those? 
is more spread out with Matthews, Marner, and Nylander all on different lines. Yeah, first it was great to shout out to Hockey Day in Canada. They they adapted because of COVID, went to Michael Bunting and Wayne Simmons hold. Back in the day, we used to have boroughs used to really matter. Scarborough, North York, Etobicoke. We had our own city councils. I was in North York and what have you. Were you, you on anyway, the that, council? You're, you're a pretty big deal. Were you on the council? I, well, yeah, I would have if they were still there. I'd be there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and next year, they'll go to Sammy's town of Owen Sound again. They were supposed to go to Owen Sound. They'll go to Sam McKee's town of Owen Sound. Yeah, the, the other part about... I'm glad he doesn't change the lines the third shift, okay? I can see that when you're struggling to make the playoffs and maybe you're a little bit a little bit more sensitive about things. But uh, I'm glad he sticks with the lines. But also, part of when you're down by two goals is figuring out ways when you're down by two goals, what do you do? And you you you, you mix the lines up and you go with strength and you go whatever. And, and that's what he did. So I, I'm fine if I don't like like this, this three-line thing to carry on for a whatever period of time. I'm fine with it. And again, you know, like I kidded about, the cool kids still got to play on the power play. They're back together. And uh, and that certainly was big the other day. But also, yeah, when you when you need scoring, you put on people that, that can score. And and that's what that's what they did tonight. That's what they did tonight. They needed it and uh, they got it. Um, yeah, the Red Wing team, it's funny, uh, Sam, that uh, uh, I'm impressed this season with them as far as, you know, another year forward rebuilding-wise. One guy we're not seeing is Sebastian Kosa, who is the top goaltender drafted place for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, I really like Nedeljkovic. like him a lot. He's played, he's played okay, not great. He's played okay, but I, I, I like that they got him from Carolina, and then they get the number one goaltender that probably in three years' time will be up there as well. So, you know, they, they kind of added the goaltending building block this offseason. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they they have the they have a ton of young talent in the in the wings. I mean, the two guys everybody's kind of kind of talking about are Sider and Raymond. You know, Raymond's leading the way for for Calder scoring race, but everybody kind of is is in love with what Sider's given them. And I, I echo all that. You know, there was a video kind of making the rounds. They actually showed a bit of it on the game tonight of him going nose to nose with Crosby. And if you're going to do that as a young defenseman in the league, and you can kind of hold your own there, I think that's a pretty good side of things to come. But I mean, even Raymond, he had a few plays tonight where. You just see him possessing the puck in the offensive zone, going for a skate, kind of controlling the play. And for a first-year player to be doing that, that that's a sign of, of things that are special. I, I do think the kind of race, for lack of a better term, in the bottom of the Atlantic division is going to come down to the Sabres and the Wings. You know, I think the Sabres, obviously it's taken them a, a thousand years to get things going, but it finally feels like they're on they're on the upswing. But, you know, the Wings, look what Stevie Y built in, or, well, look what he built in Detroit as a player. Look what he built in Tampa as a GM, and now he's back as the GM in Detroit. And yeah, I don't see how you can't count them out. Um, just looking looking back to to the game tonight, you know, Rasmus Sandin ends up getting the winner there. It's only his first goal of the season, and you know, we think of not that Sandin's here to score goals, but we definitely think of him as a a slick player, an offensive minded player, someone who's very comfortable in that end of the ice. And yeah, again, you know, a defenseman, you're never going to judge him based on his goal totals, but a little odd that that he just has the one on the year. So far, like you figured he would have had one of those fluky ones TJ Brody had over the past couple of games. Yeah, you mentioned the word revelation and, you know, he's not been afraid to jump in. Uh, I agree with you. It's kind of a surprise that's being his first goal. He's not afraid to jump in the offense. He's got that different body than Nicholas Cronvall, but he's laid some of those kind of checks out when you don't expect it. I think it catches people by surprise. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, again, the great pass by Tavares, but Sandine was was in was in the right spot, you know, and um, I I guess, you know, a a storyline we would have had more 
of, but the Leafs do win the game, so we've kind of cooled because the positive, it's positives we're talking about in the third period. But again, Peter Morazic, it's it's not a statement mm-hmm. game, right? You no. know, it's not a statement game at all. Uh, and, and again, I don't expect like like I, I you have to give him a run. You have to give him a run of whatever it is. Like uh, get his games in and, and see what gives. But if I had to put uh, the biggest. Because I, I, I'm sort of, I'm not grading him, but it's something every game he plays, you're hoping, let's find out what exactly Peter Morazic is in 2022 with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And um, it's not been good. And uh, there's still a lot more opportunity for him, and he will get that. But uh, uh, that's, that's just the one hope that he'll start playing more games. Jack Campbell, who really wants to play all the games, will start being okay about not doing that when the schedule gets crazy. But um, yeah, that that was uh, that was ordinary. It, that's exactly what it was. It was ordinary. There were a couple of goals you really don't like, and I think I think the problem for Morazic is that this is kind of this was kind of the book on him. Uh, injury trouble. Okay, we've already had that check. This is a guy who can look like a Vesna winner on some nights. Okay, I don't know that we've seen that, but we've seen some strong performances from him, albeit in the limited run of games. But you also see the inconsistency of a guy who hasn't quite been able to find that level to be a true number one goalie, and and this is why. And you know, I think I think you're right. Nobody needs to panic. Nobody needs to say they got sold a bill of goods or anything like that. But for a guy who's supposed to be part of a tandem, you just you you flat out need him to be a little bit better. The interesting thing about that is, uh, I can't remember if it was Merrick or Friedman, but one of the guys had the report on 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night that teams have called, teams have been inquiring, and you know, cap space is, of course, going to be interesting for this team. I think it's a really, really dangerous gamble to make, but man, it is like the, the Leafs have apparently been adamant that they don't want to move them until the summer, but I do wonder if there's a world where you try to get out of that contract this year before you're kind of stuck with it this offseason. What, what, what do you think of that? You're talking about Mrazek? Yeah, I'm talking about Mrazek, yeah. Yeah, I, um, uh, first of all, I don't I'm surprised teams are, teams call about everybody. Who I know. wants Peter? I know. Who wants Peter? <laughs> I know. Like, come on. Like the, the teams that want goaltenders now. Okay, the off season's different. To your point, in the summer, a team that didn't make the playoffs could be looking at it and knowing that the contract maybe is considered onerous by the Leafs. Again, we'll see what happens and 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 make some kind of trade and 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 uh, in helping the Leafs out with cap room, they they probably get something. Well, they would expect something back for that. What team wants Peter Morazic right now? I mean, because the teams that want goaltenders are are going to be in the playoffs. They're the ones that expect you to want to be in the playoffs. And is you know, Colorado's brought up as one team. It was interesting that Washington was mentioned as a team. Edmonton, you know, looking, you know, that might be the one because they're so dead. Well, no, desperate. But I mean, the guy's not a hundred percent healthy. I'm not dumping on Peter Morazic that way. But come on, trade deadline. You know, like it's funny. It's funny. It's just like. You know, uh, the business guy comes out for Philadelphia and says Chuck Fletcher has a blank check. What a stupid statement. That was like, not su- smart. No, <laughs> no, no. Support Chuck Fletcher. I'm, I'm a big Chuck Fletcher guy, and that's great. He has ownership support. And if that's a statement you want to make, that's dandy. But it shows why you're screwed because there's no there's no blank check. There's no money. OK, so if he's going to trade Konechny and trade Wierenski and, you know, some interesting things there. That could, excuse me, Provorov, Provorov and Konechny, and some interesting things could happen there. That's, so anyway, I, I cannot believe a team is calling for Peter Morazic on the trade bet deadline. Sorry, Morazic family, if you're listening. 
I don't think they are. I, th- I the but the Bunting family because I'm a part of the show. I think there's definitely a chance with with how much I've been pumping the tires. The Morazic family. I think they're probably watching soccer based on the post game uh, we, we heard from him uh, last time. All right, last one before we we hear from Leafs head coach uh, Sheldon Keefe. So we talk so much about the Leafs. I always like to play a game and just kind of flip it. How would we talk about this game if it was the inverse? Now, tonight it's actually gone well for the Leafs, but when it was Vegas, when it was Colorado, when it was any of these teams who were charging back on the Leafs and having these comebacks, we talked about what it said about the Leafs, but we also talked about what it said about those teams. We, I, I don't know that I necessarily said or you did, but I definitely heard the theory out there of this proves that Colorado is a championship organization, that they can come back, or this is what you need to have to win in the playoffs. And I know it wasn't pretty, and I know that coming back against the Wings is a little different than, than those other comebacks I'm mentioning. But I do think we have to, despite how frustrating the first 40 minutes was, I do think we have to kind of tip our cap to the Leafs and say, what it does say about this group, that they were able to kind of park the first 40 minutes and have that effort and have that comeback because we give other teams credit for it. And I think sometimes we kind of, we dump on the Leafs when they blow a lead. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about, you know, the the larger we here. But it feels like we sometimes forget to give them credit. So, you know, ugly-ish first 40 minutes, but I have to give them credit that they kind of found their legs and, and found a way to win this game. Yeah, and if you're you know if you're being picky, you can say okay, Detroit's not Vegas or Colorado, but no, I, I I like it's about finding ways to win, finding different ways to win, and like I mentioned that they they figured out the Detroit style and and they went at it a different way than they like to normally play. You know, they like to make the pass and get the beauty scoring chance, and they just said okay, you know, here's what they're giving us, so let's take what they're giving us and maximize it with some traffic and with some deflections, and that's what they did. So I'm with you 100. percent you know, give them credit. Like it's, uh, you know, it's 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 sort of a nondescript like like games against non-playoff teams, and it's so bloody early. Like normally, this is the last twenty games of the season, not the last forty games of the season. So there's a different feel, and every now and then, every now and then, um, you know, you you lose to them, and that that'll just happen. Now, usually, it's about a hot goaltender or whatever, but uh, that wasn't the case tonight. But yeah, full marks to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I totally agree with you, Brent. Yeah, well, uh, well said by you, and I guess well said by me, because you're agreeing with me. And most importantly, well played by Michael Bunting. First hat trick is a leaf. Uh, yes, he is sir. Now up, he is now up to 12 goals on the season. Uh, other Leafs. Heart trophy. Heart trophy. Hey. Heart trophy. The, if we're spelling it like the body part, absolutely, because he was the heart trophy for the Leafs tonight. Uh, Gord, you and I had a ton to say on this game. We'll have a ton to say tomorrow when we're back for the Leafs this week. But before we say goodbye, we want to hear from Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon, how did the team turn this around and, and get the win tonight? Uh, our our best people made big time plays uh, in the third period, but the most important thing was just to stop the bleeding defensively. I think, you know, that's really what we needed to do. Felt, felt pretty confident that we'd be able to, you know, score at least two in that period, which is what we talked about, but you know, we wouldn't be able to catch up if we didn't stop the bleeding defensively. So that we played uh, better that way. And then, you know, like I said, our, 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 our best people made big time plays and put the pressure on on Detroit and didn't let up. So it was uh, it's it's a great win for us. They're not a great game for us, but it's a great win for us, no doubt. I know you wanted to be patient with with the new line combinations. What were you seeing tonight that made you go back to the to the other look? 
Well, we just were trailing. You know, we're we're trailing in the game, so we're not necessarily playing for control of the game anymore. We're we're playing to to catch up in the game. So needed to shorten the bench a little bit. Needed to change the lines a little bit. You know, so that's really what I was going for there. Next up, we'll go to Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry. Hey, Sheldon, does, does the way the game ended, um, you know, coming back to winning the third period like you did, does then take away the, the discouragement or whatever the word you might have for the way that the game started and the Wings took it to you guys in the first 20 minutes or so? Or is that still a, is that a concern at all for you? Uh, well, the way we – the way we uh, I got no real issues with the first period, with the exception of how we defended around our net. I thought we gave up. Just too too easy around our net, but I thought we, we did a lot of good things in the first period. Um, so that wasn't a big issue for me. How we started in the second period to me was was ugly, and uh, that was no good. Um, but without a doubt, you know the way the team responds in the third period, you you leave you leave here feeling good about that. Uh, you know, gives you confidence that that you can learn from the things that you didn't do well enough. You know, in, in those first two periods. You know, in the different times that hurt us defensively. Uh, and then, you know, you, you take away the confidence that you build with how you played in the third. Uh, everybody likes to contribute to a win. What do you think it does for a guy like Sandine to get his first and, uh, you know, coming during a time that he's getting some increased responsibility from your end? Yeah, I, I think it's 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 huge. I, like we, we've talked about, anytime these guys get, get to contribute offensively, it, uh, you know, it, it's good for them. I mean, you can't. Nobody likes to have a zero beside their name, so they, no matter what position you play, so that's a good thing. Just get that out of their head. But uh, we needed our defense to be involved tonight. You know, we talked about that before the game. Uh, so you know, we, knew, we had a sense that they would be a factor offensively. At least we needed them to be a factor. So loved his initiative to jump into that space. Just an incredible play by John Tavares to, to not only fight off a check, but then to to see Sandy there and to make that play, um, big time play, great finish, huge goal for us. Uh, you know, gives us a big win here in the third. Thanks, Sheldon. We'll take two more here. We'll go to Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Go ahead, Luke. Sheldon, how would you describe Michael Bunting's night? Um, I mean, Bunts competed the entire night. He was involved. I mean, all that crap at the end of the second period around their net after the buzzer. You know, that's Bunts uh, being engaged, being involved. And we talked a lot about being around the net uh, for the game tonight, and he was around the net a lot, uh, got rewarded for it. You know, he's a competitor Competitor in there. Line makes the good things to, to bring the puck to that space. Uh, so huge night for him. Uh, big night here on Hockey Day in Canada in Scarborough, and, and uh, fitting that uh, Bunce comes through like that. Uh, terrific to see for a guy that you know uh, just just competes out there. Jason Spezza was talking yesterday about how his line needed to be better. Well, what did you see from the fourth line? It was kind of interesting how you went to them with an ozone draw right out of the TV timeout there. I thought this was their best night uh, here in a while. I really liked their contribution, not just the goal they scored for us in the first period, but I just thought they had good shifts for us. They had good legs. Uh, Pierre's been good for us for, for a while now, and we thought his presence down on that uh, line with Spez and Simmer would would give them 
uh, you know, another element that could help them. And I thought it did tonight, but I, I, like I said, I thought that was a good line for us today. So uh, I wanted to, you know, keep them involved and, and I thought they were uh, definitely, you know, positive contributors for the, for the game tonight. And that's including the first and second period. Those guys were good. And the last one here, we'll go to David Alter with the Nation Network. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Sheldon, just following up on that television timeout, you were talking to the group. I'm just wondering what the general message was when you guys were down 3-1 there during that, that television timeout. Well, we just, were, we just weren't, we weren't defending properly. We were just giving up clean looks around our net, uh, and we were sloppy with the puck. We just needed to clean our game up. We needed to play a lot better with a lot more urgency. That was the message. Yeah, kind of followed through with that into the you know second intermission is we just we have to play better defensively um, and stop the bleeding there, and we have to you know have a lot more urgency. And I, I really felt strongly that if we could just stop the bleeding defensively, that we were going to be okay. And then in particular, you know, I noted that if we felt that we scored the next goal, that that we would be able to win the game. Uh, that's the way it worked out, but only because. You know, we were able to stop the bleeding defensively, both in how we played and the fact that when we give, we gave up a couple looks that uh, Peter Mrazek was solid for us in the third, just what we needed to give us a chance to win. All right, there is the Leafs bench boss following the 7-4 win over the Wings. Gord and I are back Sunday 1-2 on the fan with the Leafs this week. Then the Leafs are back with a pair of games against the Devils at home Monday on the road Tuesday. Gordo, it's been a ton of fun. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Take care, Brent. There he goes. There's Gord Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning, and thanks for listening to Leaf Station Post Game on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.